Welcome to the Setting the Screen Podcast. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Lucas Vargas. Lucas is a manager for the Michigan women's basketball team. Lucas, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to be down here in Texas and just uh, waiting to see what happens with all this. And you know, Hopefully, basketball kind of gets back to normal. There were some tournaments down here uh, last weekend, so that was good to see for the you know for youth basketball. It's starting to make a comeback, so we'll see what happens with the rest of it. Definitely agree with that. Hopefully we can get life and sports back to normal as soon as we can. And uh, we've been friends for a long time now, dating about, to, I think it's five, six years now, which is pretty awesome. But uh, we've had a very similar with both being managers in college. Just first question for you, uh, when did you know that you wanted to get involved in college basketball in some way? Yeah, I mean, so like you said, we've we've been, been good friends for a while and it's been uh been really thankful that we've been able to keep that going but when I was in high school I was the manager at Anderson High School here in Austin and I just had a really great experience with that the head coach coach Pittsburgh was a manager at Texas and you know I think he really just let me do a lot gave me a lot of responsibility treated me the right way and I just really bought into the culture that he had brought to Anderson High School and I think working for him in high school really just kind of directed me to that, that I wanted to be involved with basketball moving forward again. And it really let me look look for an opportunity to get involved at the college level. Yeah, absolutely. I had a very similar experience in that regard. So just moving off of that, in terms of being a manager, what other kind of experiences that you've enjoyed at Michigan in terms of being a manager? Like, if there's things that stu- stuck out to you, I mean, I, I saw one of your games this past year when you came to Connecticut to play a Florida State, so I got to see you in action. But just what are the kind of things you enjoy about being a manager for the Michigan women's team? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say is just being around the game every day is, is awesome. You know, watching practice and just everything that goes into it, you know, you just don't realize it from being a fan, what all goes into the sport of basketball, college basketball especially. And, I mean, you know that as well as anybody as well. But I mean, I love traveling. I think that's one of the cool things about sports is that you get to go to so many places. You know, in the Big Ten, we get to travel all over the country, really. And, you know, got some good non-conference games, too, that that really just lets you see what, you know, see what there is in the country and travel all over the place. I love that. Um, love meeting new people. I think that's another great part about basketball. And, you know, I just love the people. I think that our program is, is really surrounded with some great people. And... You know, I, I love uh, love working with the staff, with the players, the other managers, the practice players on the women's side, all of it. I mean, it's just a really great experience that that I get to be around like-minded people every day and and move forward like that. And what are the kind of tasks, like what, do you, what is your typical day with the Michigan women's team? What are the things that you're looked to to do on a, I guess, daily basis? Yeah, so I'll go through, I guess for practice – you know, when we show up, uh, the first thing is to kind of make sure that, you know, we have all the equipment ready, whether we're going to be in the practice gym or on the main floor. You know, so getting all the equipment ready to go for whatever drills we're going to do that day. Um, taping the floor to have the spots and the lines that the coaching staff wants. Um, 
you know, getting the scoreboard ready to go. And then, you know, as players kind of start coming out on the court, then rebounding for them so they can get warmed up for, for practice that day. Uh, during practice, our job is a lot of just being ready to wipe the floor if someone falls down, uh, clean up the sweat. Um, there's a couple stats that we help keep as well. Um, and then just, you know, whatever drills are, are going to be done that day, just making sure that we're ready to assist in those drills if necessary. Uh, and then after practice, a lot of the same thing where if players want to stay afterwards and get some shots up, you know, we're there to rebound for them. And then we go and we enter the day stats into the computer. So kind of keep a, a weekly running total. And then there's sometimes some film uh, aspects to it, like cutting up some, some of the practice film for the given days, just kind of depending on, on what, uh, what's wanted for that day. But those are kind of some of the, the main responsibilities from like a normal day of practice. There's a couple other things that come up every now and then, but I'd say those are like the big parts. And then obviously when you go on the road, it's a lot of just packing the bags up onto the bus, the plane, uh, getting them where they need to go, and then just making sure that everybody has what they need and that things are in the right place for the game and that everybody, the coaches can focus on coaching, the players can focus on playing, and you know everybody else kind of takes, takes uh, responsibility for what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely, and I've done. I've gone through it too. It really is the grunt work. I did it for four years, and you've been doing it at Michigan for multiple multiple years, and just doing the grunt work. And I think, at least in my experiences, it's it's paid off just from professionals in the business. I think they respect managers that not only do the grunt work but also do a lot to better themselves, whether they want a career in coaching or not. I, I've had that experience, and I feel like you have too. Yeah, I think the biggest part of it is just like going into it with the right attitude every day, like that you're, you know, you're there just to, to work hard and to help other people and to, you know, always be available to do what, what's needed to be done and, and just try and, you know, just, like you said, just, just work hard and, and help the, help the program, help the team in any way that you can, even if it's a really small way. Exactly. And, and last year you had a pretty good season, 21 11, um, only losing two seniors. I know I talked about it with you, and I did see that online. Um, what are your thoughts on this team's future next season? I know you have a lot of talent coming back. Just wanted to see what your thoughts are on the next season for the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I think I think next season will be really good. Uh, actually, only losing one senior. Um, the other senior actually ended up getting a fifth year of eligibility. So, uh, should be should be a pretty good team. Uh, going to see how how everything shakes out obviously with the coronavirus and the workouts and, and what comes next. But I think, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty solid team for next year. And I'm excited for, for what could uh, potentially be another team that, you know, is going to compete in the big 10. Yeah, absolutely. And in the games I watched, yes, based on who's coming back, it was a pretty young team you had and you what. Your, your team won a lot of gritty games and made a run in the Big Ten term. I know I was watching those games rooting you on, but even in the regular season, had some great wins, had some great fights against some top ten teams. Is this just how this team is? I, an athletic team, in my opinion, that just plays really hard. That's the sense I got. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, definitely plays hard. And I think, you know, this past year, as you mentioned, the youth, but a lot of that youth had to, had to kind of show itself at different points in the year. There were some injuries that came up at different points. And I think, uh, I think we got a lot of experience throughout our roster now that is going to be really valuable for next year, just because a lot of people had to play at times that 
you know, they minutes they might not have seen otherwise, but you know, you you now you carry that experience into another year with an off season of of just getting older. And like you said, uh, it was a young team that plays hard. And yeah, that that Big Ten tournament was really fun to you know see things really really kind of come together. Uh, beating Northwestern was a lot of fun. A uh, really competitive game. Really good team that Northwestern had too. And you see if yeah you can take that next step next season. And I feel really good about it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Looking forward to see what you and the rest of the team does next season. So I'll move on from Michigan. I know this summer you've been working with BTY Basketball at the Austin Pro Academy. Um, how has that experience been for you, and what are the kind of things you've been doing with them? Yeah, it's been really cool. Uh, really great experience. We're in week five now of this program, and it's really cool because it really brings a lot of the top talent in Central Texas together. Uh, there's, there's some professional players that are overseas or in the G League. Um, and, you know, those guys play at a really high level. And then there's some college players that are, you know, at different levels of college, whether it be from Division three all the way to, you know, Division one, And then, you know, even a couple of JUCO guys in there as well. And then there's a couple of high school kids that are part of it too that are, uh, are able to compete just, you know, with some of those guys as well. So, it really brings some of the best basketball all around. It's all around. It's about 30, 32 guys, I would say, that uh, that really just come and compete every day with each other. Um, every day it's, it's broken up into – so, like, if you're a player there, then you go through an hour of weight work and then an hour of on-the-court work when you, uh, you come on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then from there on the court, it's kind of broken up into just – you know, there's some ball handling aspects to it, some shooting aspects, and then it gets into one-on-one or three-on-three or four-on-four. So it mixes up the uh, the competitiveness of it and as, along with the skill building and, you know, really an emphasis on, like, the live reads, making it game-like so that you can build the skills but in a game setting. And it's really fun to work, work with. Uh, my job is mostly just to, uh, you know, rebound or pass and help help run the drills, but it's really cool to watch everybody compete. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it, because I see what you post on Instagram. It looks like some pretty cool stuff. And I, I'm sure it, it may seem like an easy answer, but have you seen like these some of these guys develop to better players in these past five weeks? Like, have you seen certain players make a bigger jump than others? I'm sure the obvious answer is yes, but I guess I'm saying, to what, what regard have you seen these guys improve? Like, are they trying to improve in certain areas, or is it more of just a broad player development system yeah and i mean zach urbanis is the guy that runs it he runs a uh, bty basketball it's his his company and i mean he's a great player development coach one of the best certainly in in central texas if not texas as a whole and he does a great job uh you know he knows these guys they trust him and i think that is really one of the reasons why it works so well is because there's that relationship that you know they they know that he's going to make them better and then he knows they're going to work hard to want to get better and so every player you know they, they all do the drills together but yes they all have you know some some different things that they're working on improving like sometimes the guards or the bigs will will break out into different groups to work on certain things but yeah for the most part everybody is is doing you know very similar things together but yeah, he you know he he believes in like the positionless basketball. Like everybody is is going to be able to to fit into uh, the drills that he's doing. It's not like 
it's it's you know it's not like a one one person is not going to benefit you know necessarily more or less from doing a certain drill than anybody else like anybody can use the skills of you know ball handling shooting it's reading a defense to get better and so i think it, it you know it really helps all the players that are that are involved with it along with the strength side i think the strength side is really important um a really important aspect to this as well that he does and yeah i think I think it's uh, been good to watch some of these players develop. I think the reads are are a big part of it. Like in the game, you know, in the more action settings, like being able to read and then apply those skills to the reads are are really really developing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know what you said with basketball today being such a precisionless game. I think the pro game in particular, but the college game's kind of trending that way too. Just having players that can do everything, and I feel like that's so important. Yeah, and seeing the stuff you've been posting, I get the sense that even having big guys work on their handle, it may years ago may not have been the case as much, but today it definitely is just having guys that can do a little bit of everything. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, having having a big guy, and you know, yeah, you don't want the you don't necessarily need like a you know your set your center by like being a point guard, but if your center can catch catch the ball on the outside and then attack on a straight line drive, I mean. Yeah, that, that's that's a pretty valuable skill as long you know as well as if you can just catch and shoot it. Like if you can make someone guard you, then you can create an, an advantage for yourself, and then you have a great opportunity to be valuable to whatever team you're on. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. So I'm gonna transition to some NBA stuff. I know you follow the Michigan men's team on the, very closely. Obviously, you're a student there, but you're a big big basketball fan. Uh, so in your time at Michigan. I know you've called some games for the radio station. Uh, who was like the best opponent that they've played against in your opinion? Whether it was a guy like Cassius Winston or Carson Edwards or even this year Tyrese Halliburton or even if it's another player. Like in the games that you've watched, like what what player on an opposing team do you think was just the the best player you saw? Yeah, I mean obviously the Michigan State games go without saying. There's just a, a certain intensity to those games that that's hard to replicate. Um, and yeah, Cassius Winston. Carson Edwards, I mean, those guys are at different levels. But, I mean, uh, you know, if you look at this past year, Luca Garza was – was uh, that was an interesting game to watch when, when Iowa came to Michigan. I, I don't remember how many points Luca Garza had exactly, but I, it had to be in the 30s. But, I mean, Michigan still won that game by, I think, double figures um, because Iowa didn't play any defense. But uh, that was – I mean, that was just an interesting game. The pace was, was – it was so fast up and down the court. Um, but yeah, Luke, Luca Garza was was a man among boys in the low post this past season, and I mean his numbers reflected that. Obviously, uh, you know I didn't I didn't call these games or anything, but like you know go back to the NCAA tournament last year uh, when Texas Tech played us, and I mean I, I love Texas Tech the way they play basketball and the way that they get down and guard is is phenomenal, and that Texas Tech team was as tough a team as any I've ever seen. Uh, loved watching that team play Villanova a few years ago in the national championship. Obviously, won that one, and like those guys shoot the ball. They they play five out positionless basketball about as well as you possibly can. And uh, watching them play it was was pretty pretty amazing to just watch them dominate a tournament like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just the level that that the Big Ten plays at in general is is pretty amazing, and. Then yeah, Michigan's been good enough to be in position where they're competing in big time games late in the year, the last few seasons, and yeah, I think that's going to continue moving forward. Yeah, it's a good point you made about Luca Garza. I know he's going back to Iowa. I know he 
trying to test the NBA waters. And that's kind of going back to the versatility kind of thing. And he's obviously a dominant player. And it'll be anxious to, I'll be anxious to see what he looks like when he comes back, whether he's the same player or if he maybe adds a little bit of a extended out jump shot to his game. Because I feel like it surprised me that he wasn't getting more interest from the league. But I guess they're just so focused on versatile players that it was hard for him to reason staying in the draft. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's interesting. Just I, you know, you always wonder how age factors into some of these these uh, like scouting reports because like yeah, he is on the older side now. But yeah, as far as the college game goes, I mean, he was right there in the player of the year race, and you know, he had as much of an argument as anybody else this past season. Yeah, absolutely. So a few more uh, NBA stuff for you. In your opinion, I know you follow basketball more than most people probably more than anyone uh, in your opinion best player in this upcoming draft I know there's probably a few to choose from but in your opinion who who's the number one guy yeah well first off I think a lot of people bash this draft class as being uh, like pretty weak and like I'll say I don't think it's as strong as like other draft classes might be but I also don't think it's necessarily a weak class like when you look at the overseas guys that are coming over as part of this thing like LaMelo Ball and R.J. Hampton, I think, are going to be legitimate pros. Um, I think Obi Toppin's going to be a heck of an NBA player. I really do. Uh, I think I think he compares pretty well to that new small ball five that is becoming so popular. And I, I, I just think that he's not done growing or developing either. So I think Obi Toppin's going to be a pretty, pretty interesting prospect. Anthony Edwards, I mean, you know, he can light it up. We'll see what he turns into. I'm not. I'm not completely sure about him yet. But you know, everyone forgets about James Wiseman too. I think like the guy was was dominant in the very few games that he got to play, and he plays hard. Like that, I thought that was kind of the interesting thing about Wiseman was that when he played for Memphis, he played really, really hard. And I'm interested to see what he has been doing for the last six months, basically, because. You know, obviously he got the NCAA stuff and then just decided to, to kind of move on. But I'm really intrigued by James Wiseman. Among other players, I think I think there's some intriguing prospects in this draft. We'll see if there are any stars, but I don't think it's necessarily like a bad draft class as people are making it out to be. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of good players. As you said, I think Obi Toppin's kind of a little bit overlooked. I think he was a dominant player in college, and I don't see why he wouldn't fit perfectly in the NBA, as you said. I think he could play four and even be a stretch five. He, he can shoot the ball from three, and I think he's an intriguing guy. And also James yeah. Wiseman, I think he's the best player in the draft. I think it's close with a b- bunch of guys, but I think he's All the right. best player. I think he's really talented. He's, As you said, he plays really hard. To find a guy that talented, that big, and that strong who plays really hard, I think he could be a problem. But he's definitely not as talented as maybe some of the dominant elite draft classes of the past, but totally agree with you that I think it's better than people give it credit for. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you move into the, like, you know, the projected, like, later picks or whatever uh, in this in this class, and, like, you still got names like, you know, Trey Jones from Duke, uh, like, uh, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky, um, you've got, you know, uh, Vernon Carey from Duke, uh, like, Isaiah Stewart of Washington, um, the other guy that played at Memphis, Precious Achua, like those are some some intriguing prospects as well, and you know they're projected to be more at the later end of the of the first round. Like Devin Dotson, who at Kansas was was as good as could be. Like you know they they might not jump off the page name wise, but 
like they're still going to be around there at the end of the the first round and they could be valuable to a team and you know maybe they're not starters in the nba but that's not the you know that's not the the most important thing i don't think is to find a starter i think it's to find just a valuable role player at times and they're definitely guys that can fit that that role yeah i agree i think it's a pretty deep draft i think there's you can find some hidden talent late in the first round or maybe in the second round i think there's guys out there to be had but as you said it's not necessarily finding the star player, but finding a solid player that can contribute right away, especially for like the winning teams that maybe it's a piece they're missing. But I agree with you. This draft class, I think it's going to be better than people are expecting. And I think I think the salary cap will probably drop too in the NBA because of the financial implications, which means that they're going to. I think rookies are going to be more important than ever, just because of the you know the value that you can get those guys at for a cheaper price. Uh, so I think. You know, you really got to find a guy that can fit, and it's going to be hard this year because you, you know, you don't know what the the scouting process, the workouts, the combine, any of that will look like. But like, you got to find a guy that will fit into what you're trying to do. And if you can, then you have an an advantage over other teams that can't because you can make the money work probably a little bit easier than other teams. Yeah, that leads into my next question. I was going to ask you about the upcoming NBA offseason. I think it's going to be definitely different. I don't know. Yes, with the scouting process, but there's going to be no summer league for these guys to get their first taste of the NBA. So I feel like the rookies coming in now are going to have a tougher they're, – they're jumping right into the NBA and, and going head on and running into it. So I feel like that's going to be an interesting process because there's no summer league. There's no – there's less – I guess less opportunities to find that hidden talent that a team could find in the second round. Yeah, and I mean, free agency will be what free agency is. So the NFL do it, and the NFL will be fine after that, and – you know, I don't think that free agency will be really that affected by this whole thing um, because that's not really, you know, you, you know what guys can do at this point, and you saw a good portion of the last regular season as well. So, you know, I don't think free agency will be that, that negatively affected by this. Uh, I do think the younger players might be might be slightly favored, though, because of the quick turnaround between the end of this season and next season, potentially. Um just be, you know, the quick turnaround, like if you, you know, if you go all the way, you're playing in October and then you got to restart in December. So that, that, that could be worth watching. But as far as like, yeah, these draft guys, I mean, you know, there's, there's been absolutely no reporting on this, no anything on it, but just the theory that I have, um, cause I don't think the combine, I don't know what that'll look like, but I think that some of these agencies will just kind of you know, that sign these guys will basically put together their own things and basically have like their own little scrimmages, combines, whatever you want to call it, and let their let themselves feature their guys and that way the NBA is not the one running it. Because I think, I think a lot of it will end up coming down to, you know, the liability behind it all. But I think if these agencies put, the, put these workouts together themselves and just stream it or, uh, you know, however they can get the film out, then I think I think that could be a way that that these guys have a chance to to kind of show show what they're capable of. Um, I think that'll be how they organize it more so than maybe like NBA team workouts at facilities. I think it'll more just be out of house. Like, okay, here my agency has all these guys. Let's get them together and work them out, and then we'll send the film out to to these scouts. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's going to be interesting to see how that whole process goes. So I got one more for you, Lucas. I know the NBA is starting next month in the bubble. Who's your championship pick right now? 
Uh, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how players adjust and come out of it. Um, you know, I, there's a couple guys that are obviously declining to play right now for some of those lower teams. We'll see how how far that stretches, but. I, I mean, I, it's just so hard to, to make a prediction because you don't know who's going to get sick or, you know, who's going to get disinterested or who's going to be out of shape, ready to play. I mean, I watched the Spanish League over over uh, that's restarted now a couple times so far. And, you know, some of those guys that I think were playing at a high level before the break are having a tough time adjusting to the, to the comeback. But... You know, I, I still think it goes through L.A. one way or another. Like, it's got to be the Clippers or the Lakers. I still think they're the, the most equipped to handle to handle something like that. Um, but I also don't think that, like, it's all said and done. Like, I think if it would have just gone right into the playoffs, then you would have just said, like, you know, basically that, that uh, you know, like, like, oh, these are the favorites and they're probably going to be fine. Like, I think that, that, like, Milwaukee, this might help Milwaukee. Um, they, you know, they're, they're younger. I think this might help Toronto a little bit. Uh, trying to trying to come back, like you know, they they have some some youth. They have a good coach. Um, Miami, they, Miami plays a lot of guys. Uh, I think depth is going to be going to be valuable coming back. Um, I don't necessarily think that like those teams will win it, but I think that it helps them a lot more than it might have otherwise. Um, you know, Denver could be interesting. They're young, like I said. Um, but I still think it's got to be the Lakers or Clippers that are the favorites going into it until we like see otherwise like some complications that come out of it. But I think it, I think it more like balances the field more than anything else um, by the time off and then just coming back to play all in one spot. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be exciting to see the NBA back and sports back in general, hopefully in the near future. But Lucas, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you taking some time and I'm glad you're doing well. Hey, always great to talk to you, man. All right, so thanks again. I would once again like to thank my good friend Lucas Vargas for joining my podcast today. He's been a good friend of mine for a long time, hard worker at University of Michigan as a manager for the women's basketball team. As I said, working with BTY Academy, the training in Austin, Austin Pro Academy. He's been working doing there. He's been all around Texas. He's well-versed in Texas basketball. He's been an intern with the Top 100 recruiting platform for, for high school players in Texas. He's very well-versed in what goes on on the landscape of, of Texas basketball and, and basketball as a whole. Definitely exciting to hear about the Michigan women's basketball team. Had a really good year going. We're really hitting their stride going into the NCAA tournament. That was unfortunately cut off due to coronavirus. They beat a top 10 team in Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament. They really they marched right through the Big Ten tournament. They did end up winning end up winning it, but they put a great they had a great run through that tournament. And hear the stories from him firsthand about the future of this team, the talented players they have. They have a lot of talent coming back. As he said, they got a fifth year. One of their players who was supposed to be graduating got a fifth year option to come back, a fifth year medical redshirt to come back for her fifth season. So that certainly helps Michigan women's basketball. And they have a bright future. Probably one of the best managers in the country. I know he's a grinder and will do anything to help the team win. So please stay tuned for more podcast postings. I'll be posting more in the next week or so. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Uh